Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoyed this message from our Women's Discipleship Service. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Thank you, Christy. Give it up for Christy, the MC on the mic tonight, dropping the beats in the back on the guitar. Hey, yes, thank you. Amen. How many excited to be here? I'm so excited. I just want to first just give honor to Pastor Letty of the house. Let's give it up for our pastor. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be here in the house speaking. Thank you for just believing in us and giving us an opportunity. It's always an honor no matter what type of platform you're serving the Lord in. How many know God sees it and that's all that matters. Amen. And so if you don't know me, uh, my name's Malia or I go by Mia or whatever you want to call me, Aaliyah. That's some of the kids at church. They're like, Aaliyah, Aaliyah. And I'm like, yes, that's not my name, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> Amen. But um, me and my husband, we pastor in a, uh, in a small but mighty church, the city of Gardena. Where my ladies at? Where my ladies at? Where my ladies at? Don't act like, yeah, see, those are the ones that went to the club before they got saved. They were like, where my ladies at? Right? Okay. I know. Trust me. I was there. But that's going to be another testimony night. Amen. So, I'm just so privileged and honored to just be amongst women. It's my honor because I know I could go to every individual lady here tonight, whether you're younger or older, or wherever you find yourself in the Lord, and I could sit with you and just hear about the amazing things that God has done in your life. And I'm telling you, I know that I, I'm amongst women that you've stood in the faith. You've seen trials. You've persevered, and you come out the other side. Amen. So give it up for yourselves for being here tonight because how many know... That faith tonight isn't like a cute little wooden plaque that you get at Hobby Lobby that says like faith, hope, love. It's okay. I love Hobby Lobby too. I'm not hating. Don't, don't get on me like that. If you ever need a shopping buddy, I live in Gardena. Anyways, but if you've been saved for any amount of time, you'll quickly notice that sometimes faith isn't just that cute little plaque, but sometimes it takes gritty tenacious, uncompromising faith, right? It ain't always cute, but it's always worth it. Amen? And it was funny because me and Linda, oh, shout out to my mother-in-law. You may know uh, they're my in-laws, Pastor David and Linda Tijarina. Uh, so if I get a little loud and passionate, I blame my father-in-law for that. He discipled me. But I want to tell you, I never fell asleep in service. That's for dang sure. I remember the very first service I came, I sat in the front thinking like I was cool and I had no idea what it was like to go to church. And he's like, and then God said, and I was like, oh, I need to get saved. <laughs> but I believe you've come here tonight, you want to hear a good word and you want God to grow your faith. Amen. But maybe some of you are here tonight and you're feeling, you know, to be honest, I'm a little worn out. Okay, right. I got a two year old. I'm worn out and a five year old and they're crazy. And my five year old didn't have school today. So I was stuck with her and I was like, oh, Lord, Jesus, help me. But I want to be real tonight. Amen. And we can have fun tonight, ladies. It's okay to have fun. It's okay. But amen. let's get serious. Uh, but maybe you're here tonight and you can be real and you're saying, you know, I'm worn out. I'm tired. I'm frustrated in my faith. Or maybe you're living in a constant state of comparison, right? And you're starting to believe the lies that said, 
oh, well, maybe my faith isn't good enough, and that's why God isn't moving. Maybe I'm not there yet, and that's why God isn't doing what I want him to do in my family and in my work and in my school and in my sickness or whatever it may be you're facing tonight. Because how many know a lot of us say things like, oh, one, one day I'll be there, and then shooting star, like diamond in the sky. It's so pretty. <laughs> I'm not Vietnamese, okay? It's just but faith isn't just this feeling we get, right? A lot of times we don't make it past one service to the next because we don't get past the praise break at church. But if we felt it all the time, ladies, we wouldn't need faith. But faith is active tonight, and God isn't looking for perfect faith. He's just looking for you to respond. And I'm not just saying serving in the nursery because, amen, I praise the Lord. Anybody work, work in nursery, I praise you. I honor you. I remember Diga said it's like where the gnashing of teeth is at. Oh, my God, I lost it when he said that. I was like, you go serve in nursery. <laughs> but it's about not just responding and serving, but it's when my faith responds in prayer. I say, God, I, I, at this point in my walk, God, I don't even know sometimes if you hear me, but God, I'm praying in faith right now. It's when your faith responds in obedience and say, no, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my school, I'm going to serve the Lord there. It's when I, my faith reacts in action. It's a byproduct of that. But a lot of times our faith is hindered because we're always, and I'm, I'm the victim of this mentality at times, is we're waiting for like the per perfect circumstances to line up, right? And Ecclesiastes 11.4 says this, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. So the scriptures is showing us, ladies, that if we're always looking at the imperfections of life, you ain't going to plant and you ain't going to reap. And I've been there, right? You're like, you're inside, like you're inside your house and you open up and the winds are like gushing. He's like, okay, I don't do good sound effects. Don't make fun of me. But the winds are blowing in your life. And then you're like, oh, you know, it's not a good day to just step out for the Lord. I'm just going to hang here. I'm going to, you know, just worship my Lord right here. Be still and know that I am God. You know, we hang on to that or we see, you know, the heavy clouds over our lives. And maybe that's a heavy cloud of discouragement or a heavy cloud of confusion. And you're just like, Lord, I, I, I can't step out in faith. I don't, I'm not sure if I'm there yet. And see, tonight, faith is everything. And Hebrews 11.6 says, it's not up there on the scripture, but 11.6, I'm sorry, says, without faith, this is impossible to please the Lord. But in that same scripture, um, it says that God truly rewards those who diligently seek him. Amen. So it is in believing that or receive. It is in believing that God is the miracle worker. That he makes a way when there seems no way. That he is a loving and kind father. Amen. And that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, God is trying to take some of you in the depths of his love. But you don't even believe that he's just loving and kind. And we say things like this, and I've been there where I'm like, Lord, show me your love, God. I want to live in your love. I don't want to be in your love, God. Help me to live by your love. And he's like, simply, daughter, just believe that I died for you to the point of my love. And I'll continue to die for you because if that meant you would be here tonight, I would still die for you. And so having faith in God allows me, and, and even during worship or your prayer time, it allows me to put God where he belongs. And that's at the very forefront 
of my life. He's ahead of me. He's my aim. He's my target. And Paul says this in Philippians 13 through 14. It says, brethren, I do not count myself to be to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward, say forward, to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal, say goal, for the prize of the upward call of Christ in Christ Jesus. So this makes me wonder though, ladies, that there's so many Christians that walk around aimlessly, not knowing where they're going, not knowing who they are, what next, you know, they're at a standstill. And I believe simply tonight it's because they don't know what they're aiming for. So if I had a professional archer come up, oh, that's somebody that shoots arrows because some of you guys looked it confused. Katniss Everdeen from Hunger Games. Okay. We came up here. We blindfolded her. We spun her around a bunch of times. I'm not going to spin around because I'll throw up. I get really motion sickness easily. But we spun around, blindfolded her, and I asked her to shoot the target. And she would definitely miss more times than she would she would hit, right? And so that's some of you tonight, you've been coming two, five, eight, ten plus years and you feel spiritually blindfolded and you're spinning around in life and you're like, Lord, I've been coming faithfully, God, and I don't know where I'm going. And it's simply because you've lost sight of your target. And our target will always be, ladies, is King Jesus. See, some of you are... You're trying to work so hard to get to heaven that you forget to live for Jesus. And then you're so in a state of frustration. I've been there where you're in a season of frustration and the Lord is going doing good things in your life. But you can't even enjoy it because the cloud of frustration is upon you. But he's the author and the perfecter of our faith tonight. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that he's given you authority to walk out your faith. What's the root concept of authority? I don't know if you throw that word up there, authority, but that's okay if you can't. But it's author. And he, who knows your story better than the author? And he holds all rights to that. See, this is a little side note. I'm going to throw this in there. But um, when Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, see, he stripped Satan of his authority. That means he doesn't have the right to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. But I know that since he's the author, so let's be a little real, he writes the story. And some of y'all in school would read like the front and the back thinking like you would get it, right? And sometimes we think like, God, if you just show me the last page, like I would know where to go. And we get a little frustrated, right, in our walk. Let's be real. Don't lie, mentirosa. I'm not Mexican either. <laughs> You're like, what are you? But in the parable, uh, Luke 15, it says... It talks about just, I love these stories, the, the parable of the lost sheep. I love that one, right? When he leaves the 99. Uh, the parable of the lost coin. I just imagine like a, like a, a woman in his house, house just like looking for the lost coin like crazy. And then we have the parable of the prodigal son, right? The lost son. And so specifically looking at the parable of the lost son, if you're unfamiliar, he just tells his dad, you know, like, you know, the money that you, I, you always going to get when you die, can I just have it now? You know, and so father gives it to him and goes, spends it all on, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And like that kind of story, right, I can only imagine. And so he gets to the point where, you know, the money and the booze runs out and then all your friends are gone. Remember those days? Yeah. They only use you for that. And so he's like, you know what, I had it better in my father's house. I'm going to go back to him and I want to pick up in verse 20. And it says this, and he arose and came to his father. 
But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry for this is this my son was dead and is alive again. He is lost and is found and they began to be merry. What a beautiful story of redemption and love and grace. But that's actually not who I wanted to focus on. I just love reading that part. Because it was all of us, right, at that one time. I love, I love that. But I actually want to focus on the other brother. And so in verse 25, it says, Now his older son was in the field. He was working. He was serving. And then he came and drew near the house and heard music and dancing. Like when you see people post on Instagram, you're like, dang, TFTI, y'all went out and I didn't get an invite? <laughs> That's what he's saying. So he called one of the servants and asked, what, are, what things these things meant? And he said to him, your brother has come home. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded. He came out and pleaded with him. The father noticed the other son was not in the house. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, he didn't even call him his brother, this son of yours you know, came, you have, has, and who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him? So now so, so many of us may cast judgment on this brother as just like this little brat throwing a fit over a goat. Okay, but you can feel the frustration that many of us carry to the Father. Lord, I've been serving you faithfully. Even when my heart grew weary, God, I didn't stop coming. Even when I thought I had nothing left, God, I still held on. And you're blessing everybody else but me? I haven't been posting no hoochie pictures, you know, like this in like John three sixteen. you know, like trying to find the light, right? Okay, come on. And then so-and-so gets a man. She's crazy. <laughs> Wait until he finds out how crazy she is and he's going to come running to me. Watch. I claim that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> but God, I've been doing your will. And then the backstabbing and the betrayal and the frustration and the anger and it all rises up. And the tenderly father, the tender father comes out to you personally and pleads with you. And he says this in verse 31, son, and in this case, daughter, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. The father is saying, daughter, nobody has robbed you of your inheritance. Nobody has robbed you of my love for you. See, some of y'all looking around for God's love like it's lost, but it's been there the entire time. Man, that time's going by fast. <laughs> I'm like, blah, 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 blah. I'm about to start speaking in tongues and hopefully everybody understands. <laughs> it could happen. You heard of those stories in Africa? Trust me. But uh, by the raise of hands, how many moms we got in here? Whoop, whoop to the moms. Hey, okay. All right, how many of you moms, you still have kids that live at home? 
Okay, yeah. How many moms, you still have kids that go to school and you got to wake them up? Why do you do that? Why do we do that? Some of y'all are like, because they won't get up if I don't wake them up. And then the other half of you are like, because I want them out of the house for six hours so I can have peace and quiet. That was me today, guys. It was <laughs> Aiden wanted to play ninja fight all day, and I was like, I'm tired. But we do that because ultimately we want them to get up, set goals, succeed, accomplish things, right? So how much more the father? He wakes you up each morning with aspirations for your life and great plans, and then we shrink back, not wanting to step out because we're afraid that we're going to fail or let other people down. But if you want your faith to grow tonight, you got to be honest with yourself. Who or what is your source of faith? You got to be honest with yourself. And I've been in this boat many times. We got to stop treating our spouses and our boyfriends as the source of our faith. Don't hear what I'm not saying. This isn't one of those like, I don't need no man kind of sermons. That's not what I'm about. I love my husband. I love him. But he can't heal me the way Jesus does. And if I expect him to know everything for me on the inside out, and I can't even figure out myself, what makes you think he's going to understand you? But your father understands you. Ladies, you got to stop treating your job and your successes and your failures so dependent as the source of your faith. Because in an instant, you could lose it. I've been there where we're living off a cup of noodle, and that's for real. That's for real, where we live paycheck to paycheck, and I couldn't even afford a cup of noodle. And I remember crying, like, Lord, this ain't right. I should at least get a cup of noodle. I'm Asian. Oh, my God, where was I? All right, some of you guys might look crooked to me like this, but I'm about to say it, and I don't care because the Lord's with me. But you got to stop treating your kids as the source of your faith. And I want to tell you why. We're called to pour into our children. That's my first ministry, always and forever. My household, my children. But in order for me to pour into them, I need to first be faith-filled myself. See, I got to get my cup of Jesus to be overflowing so it touches others around me. It touches my husband. It touches my kids. But a lot of you, you're taking the cup and you're pouring it out. And then at the end of the day, you're wondering why you're frustrated and mad and you got nothing else left because your cup is empty. So being faith-filled tonight allows me to live from a spiritual perspective instead of a worldly one. So our source tonight, ladies, will always be King Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So when he becomes your source It'll allow you to walk in a state of victory, no matter what you're facing. So it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that enables you, that corrects you, that corrects you, that guides you in every season. You got to remain teachable. I know, ladies, we take on so much, even older sisters in this place, and you, you have to look after some of your siblings, I know the weight of that. I understand. I see that. And the women, you have to allow your heart to still be tender and not take on that burden that doesn't belong to you. Does that make sense? And moms, if you're having a hard time with that child or teenager and, 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 and you're not sure how to approach whatever season you're walking in, ask the Holy Spirit. 
He's the one that teaches you how to parent. Just because you got the title of mom don't mean you know everything. We don't. We don't. And that's okay. Because, I mean, you know, we go through seasons. So our children will go through seasons. You know, my daughter, they change in age. They change in classrooms. They change in school. Whatever they're facing, I need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit so I know how to minister to my own children. And the world ain't going to be ministering to them. See, this is where me and David differ. David's like, you know, Aiden's staying until, like, she can't date until she's 30. And, like, you know, and I'm like, okay, no, Aiden's going to get a good education and a good Christian man. And then, bye. No, <laughs> No, she's awesome. She's, she's so independent. She was like, no, I'm going to go out and make my own dollars so I can buy a truck and a dog because we won't buy her a dog and, and a house. And I was like, I didn't hear no man in that. So she did because you're going to do it all by herself. But in my final closing, and I have a minute, and I'm going to close with this. But God wants you to walk in victory. As you're growing your faith, and I want to tell you that too many of us associate victory with a changed circumstance. And can I keep it real tonight? Oh, yeah, I'm going to keep it real, Rocky. I hear you. We'll get down to the nitty-gritty, okay? What if your circumstance does not change? What if it doesn't change? Will you not be free? It doesn't change in your timing. 2 Corinthians 5 says we live by faith and not by, uh, by, faith and not by sight. And I'm not saying you don't contend for the situation, you don't contend for the miracle, that's not what I'm saying. But even look at the Apostle Paul, his situation got even worse when he was preaching the gospel. Shipwrecked, beaten, in prison, a lot of, but yet he wrote three quarters of the New Testament and a lot of it was written either under house arrest, in prison, or on some island. So it was through those situations that his faith was stretched and I want to tell you ladies, listening to his words and the Apostles, 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 you realize at the end of the day, the ultimate prize, the ultimate answer, the ultimate victory was just knowing Jesus. So tonight, I don't associate victory with circumstance. I associate victory with a transformed heart and a renewed mind and identity and security. So tonight, ladies, go walk out your faith in victory. Amen. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.